Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, May 22nd, 2023. I am Dave Biddle flying solo on today's show. All right, so I'm going to do a series of position breakdowns on the show in the coming days. We're going to start today with one of those. We're going to do a breakdown on the Buckeyes offensive line going into the 2023 season, who the starters are going to be, in my opinion, who the top backups will be in order, and what we can expect from Justin Fry's unit. So, uh, so let's get into it. Okay, so we'll just go left to right. Most of this you guys already know, I'm sure, but we'll we'll try and break it down a little further too. So left tackle, looks like it's going to be Josh Fryer. Um, he repped there throughout the spring. Looks like he's going to be the starting left tackle. There's been some talk that, oh, maybe Josh looks like more like, you know, he's built more like a right tackle. I've even said that, you know, big 6'6", you know, 315, 320-pound kid, um, you know, maybe not a true left tackle, but, um, you know, maybe he fits better on the right side. We'll see. The thing is, Josh Simmons, who they brought in uh, from San Diego State, the transfer, he started all 13 games for the Aztecs at right tackle last year. So people that are saying Simmons is maybe more of a fit at left tackle and Fryer should go to the right, perhaps. But um, given the fact that Simmons played you know, all of his snaps at right tackle last year and played, played pretty well, uh, and Fryer took all of his reps at left tackle during spring, tells me that's probably how they're going to keep it i'm not saying simmons is definitely going to win the right tackle job i'll get to that in a moment although i think he's the favorite um josh fryer so we'll see about josh fryer i I believe in him he was the sixth man last year he got one start uh against indiana and played well so uh, i think he's a fourth year kid with a couple years of eligibility left and uh, i think josh fryer is going to have a good year we'll see how good i don't think he's going to be great but i think he's going to be good uh and then um, next to him at left guard is the best offensive lineman on the team, Donovan Jackson. I mean, there's some mock drafts that have him going in the first round. And there's not a lot of guards that leave after their junior year, after three years, and go in the first round. It's possible. But um, that just shows you what some people are saying about Donovan Jackson. You know, He had a really good year last year as a first-year starter. He was the sixth man the previous year. You know, Josh Fryer was that last year, as I just said. That was Donovan Jackson as a true freshman. And then uh, was a full-time starter last year and played well as a sophomore. And I think we can expect Donovan Jackson to be playing his best football as a junior. And he needs to. because, I, I, As I said, he's the best offensive lineman on this team, and he needs to play that way. At center, sounds to me like it's going to be Carson Hinsman. I think most of you guys know that. Vic Cutler is also in the mix. Vic Cutler was the other transfer they got. The first transfer that they got uh, in for the offensive line. He's a young man you know, from... Louisiana Monroe actually grew up in the town of Monroe, Louisiana, and um, you know started there for a couple of years. Started at left tackle for them last year, uh, even though he's going to play center at Ohio State. Can also play guard. Uh, not a big guy. Listed at six three, two ninety, two ninety five. Listed at six three, two ninety five. He looks more like six two, two eighty five when you see him out there. He's not a very big guy, um, but uh, he at least provides some depth there, and he's going to give Carson Hensman a run for his money at center. But I think it's going to be Hinsman. I keep going back to what Ryan Day said uh, a little bit more like halfway through spring. Right about halfway through spring, he said Carson Hinsman has been a bright spot. And, you know, even though they did rotate at center to some degree, Carson Hinsman took the majority of reps at at, uh, uh, at center with the first team offense. So I think it's going to be Carson Hinsman. As a redshirt freshman, I think he will be the guy. Um, we'll see how well he plays. I believe he's going to be a good player for the Buckeyes for sure during his career will it be as a redshirt freshman he'll have ups and downs ups and downs i'm sure 
Um, it's too bad Luke Whipler didn't stick around. He left early after three years. And he fell all the way to the sixth round. We talked about that ad nauseum, but it's still, it's like, man, that hurt Ohio State. And in my opinion, it hurt Luke all in one fell swoop because, you know, I think if Luke came back, I'm not saying he would have worked his way into a first round pick. No one's saying that. I think he could have worked his way into be like a you know, second or third round pick. You know, there's no reason he couldn't have been. Um, you see a lot of a lot of guards, or excuse me, a lot of centers his size go second, third round. So that's too bad that Whipler left, but he did. It is what it is. So now it's going to be Carson Hensman or it's going to be Vic Culler. I think it's going to be Carson Hensman. And then right guard Matt Jones coming back. Uh, his second year as a full-time starter. Um, interestingly, Matt Jones is the only offensive lineman on the team that does not have any eligibility left after this year. That Again, that doesn't mean Donovan Jackson is going to come back for another year. It doesn't mean uh, – but no, everybody else has at least two years of eligibility left, including including Enoch Vamahi, who's been here five years because of the COVID year. So we'll get to the backups in a moment, guys like Enoch. But, um, but yeah, Matt Jones, sixth-year senior, final year, second full year as a starter. I thought he played well last year. He also had starting experience before – last season spot starting experience so uh you know not just a sixth year senior but a guy with a lot of snaps under his belt and uh, has played some good football so was banged up at you know toward the end of last year but um you know he's gonna that's just that's nice you know for all the you know everybody all the consternation about the offensive line and the worries about the offensive line it's like at least the Buckeyes have their two starting guards back that's that's big um and then again, at right tackle, we'll see. I don't, it's it. I, I we don't know yet. I, I wish Josh uh, Josh Simmons would have transferred here before spring, so he could have uh, you know gone through spring ball. But I'll, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So we're, we're glad he we're glad he uh, he transferred to Ohio State. But I I wish we could have seen him battle it out with Tegra and with Zen. So. You know, I'm not ready just to give the job. I'm not going to say Josh Simmons is definitely going to be the starter. I think he's probably the favorite. Um, but we'll see. Tegra, Shabola, and Zen Mahalski rotated at right tackle throughout spring. I know the coaches like them, like their uh, talent. Again, will they be ready this year? Maybe not. Maybe that's why they brought in Josh Simmons. Or maybe one of those guys will beat out Simmons, and Simmons will be more like the sixth man or something like that. Also, I'll point this out. Let's say Tegra does not win the, the starting right tackle job. Um, not only – does whoever not win the right tackle job can then be the swing tackle, can back up left tackle, um, you know, and back up right tackle. They also, a guy like Tegra can swing inside the guard. You know, if one of the guards, heaven forbid, that we just talked about gets banged up, you know, Tegra could be a, a guard. Um, that's where he repped last year um, in practice. So, um, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, they've, you know, they've, they've started to, to build some depth here. Okay. We've talked about, you know, the, in my opinion, the five projected starters with Fryer, Jackson, Hinsman, Jones, and Simmons. And then you got Zen Mahalski, Tegra, Shabola, Vic Cutler. That's your top eight right there, in my opinion. And then Enoch Vamahi as a fifth-year guy. I'd put him as like the ninth guy for doing like the backups in order. I'd say he's like the ninth guy, so you know, definitely on the two deep. But Enoch, I mean, he didn't play that well last year. I mean, he got he got he didn't look good at all against Michigan. Um when Matt Jones was banged up, they had, you know, in fact, they had to put Fryer in there because Enoch was, Enoch was not getting the job done. He had a couple good blocks against Notre Dame um, in the opener, but um, Enoch needs to play better. He needs to play better. Now he's a fifth-year senior. Again, he's got – he can come back next year as a sixth-year senior if he wants to because of the COVID year. But um, So we'll see. I think Enoch is probably, you know, definitely on the two deep. But um, if he gets in there, he needs to play better. There's no doubt about that. 
Um, and then the other guy who's in the mix, again, he'll probably technically be on the two deep, but is he really going to be the backup left tackle? Probably not, but that's George Fitzpatrick, a redshirt freshman. George Fitzpatrick repped there throughout spring. Again, you know, whoever loses the, the starting right tackle job is probably going to be technically um, the uh, the swing tackle there. So I don't know if Fitzpatrick – when I say he'll technically be on the two deep, now the, what I – t- I take that back because whoever wins the right tackle job, let's say it's Simmons, then his backup's going to be probably Mahalski, let's say, or Mahalski would be the backup at left tackle and then Tegra would be the backup at right tackle. So George Fitzpatrick probably won't be on the two deep, but – He'll at least be contending to be on the two deep. And then I do think, even though I don't think these guys are going to play this year, I think they're going to try and redshirt all of them. I think it's nice that all four true freshmen offensive linemen enrolled early. I think that's really good because they got to go through, you know, winter conditioning, which I'm sure even for guys like that that work out a lot and, you know, tough guys, I'm, that's a wake-up call for these kids when they come in and they have to go to mix. You, you enroll and you immediately are in mixed uh, winter conditioning program, you know. Valentine's Day massacre and everything that goes along with it. Um, so they got to go through that. They got to go through spring ball, of course. That's good. Talking about Luke Montgomery, uh, Josh Padilla, who's repping at center, uh, Austin C- uh, Siraveld, uh, and also, you know, uh, Miles Walker. Miles Walker is kind of the, um, you know, the, the long shot of the group, so to speak, kind of the lottery ticket. Um, the other guys are all four-star recruits, Luke Montgomery, Padilla, Siraveld. C- um, all four-star recruits, and um, I thought those guys looked good during spring uh, for true freshmen that sh- uh, still should have been in high school. So um, liked what I saw out of the true freshmen. Again, I think it's just nice that they enrolled early, and that just provides more depth. Again, I think they're going to try and redshirt those guys, but if all of a sudden one of those guys is looking good, um, and they're like, wow, this guy, you know, he, we, if needed, he could play, and then you have injuries, boom, there you go. Depth is a good thing. and. Um, there's other offensive linemen on the team that I'm actually kind of surprised that are still here. Um, you know, older guys, there's a couple older guys, fourth year guys. I don't need to mention their names. That, that seems kind of mean, but like um, I'm frankly surprised they haven't transferred in Ohio state. Maybe they still will because Ohio state is over the limit. As you guys know, I am not worried about that at all. That always gets its works itself out. So, so there you go. Now, what can we expect from this group? I, I mean, Justin Fry, has his work cut out for him. There's no doubt about it. You lose three offensive linemen to the draft, even though Dewan Jones and Luke Whipler fell further than anybody expected. Um, they were still draft picks, fourth round and sixth round. That's nothing to scoff at if you just you know remove the, the projections going into the draft. You still lose a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick. And you lose the number one offensive lineman in the draft in Paris Johnson Jr. So I don't remember Ohio State losing three draft picks now the 2013 line lost a lot but somehow um andrew norwell went undrafted well not somehow i know how because they didn't invite him to the combine which was stupid muhort was a second round pick that year and Corey lindsley was a fifth round pick <laughs> Corey lindsley should have been a first round pick if you look at it now i mean he's one of the highest paid centers um in foot was the highest paid center in football when he signed his deal um i think somebody signed a bigger deal now, maybe not, though. Maybe Lindsley still is. My point is the 2013 lines lost a lot, but even that line only had two draft picks, a second rounder and a fifth rounder. Buckeyes, first rounder, including the number one offensive lineman off the board, sixth overall pick in Paris Johnson, fourth rounder, sixth rounder. I don't remember them losing that many um, draft picks in one year. Um, that 2013 line was so good with 
all those guys. Andrew Norwell ended up making a lot of money in the NFL. Uh, Marcus Hall, who we'll all remember for the uh, double barrel salute to our, our friends up north. He was a good starter that year. He went undrafted, though. Uh, I think he made a practice squad. I don't think he ever actually made an NFL active roster, but he was a good player for the Buckeyes. That was a good offensive line, that 2013 offensive line. And Taylor Decker was on that line, too. We remember him uh, getting abused his uh, first ever start against Khalil Mack, but Still, Taylor Decker as a sophomore was solid that year. But, of course, Taylor Decker was the one that came back the following year, helped them win a national championship. So that 2013 line lost a lot, and then they came back and won the national championship next year. So we'll see. Guys like Daryl Baldwin stepped up. you know. So can that happen this year? Justin Fry, if he can, he will go down as, um, you know, uh, Ohio State wins the national championship and the offensive line plays well. I mean, Justin Fry – if he's not already a hot commodity, um, will be an extremely hot commodity. Hopefully he's here for a while. That's a problem Buckeye fans would love to have, right? Win the national championship. Uh, okay, yeah. If you win the national championship, you're probably going to lose some coaches. You would take that and run with it. All right, we got to get into this. Switching gears. Okay, Kevin Warren is the gift that keeps on giving. Goodness gracious. If you guys have not read this story, after the podcast, don't don't read it yet. I'm going to recap it for you. Um, Pete Thamel did a interesting piece, we'll say the least. Did a really good job. Pete Thamel for ESPN.com. Um, so <laughs> the one thing we thought about Kevin Warren for all of his mistakes was, well, at least he went out and got that massive TV deal done. You know, maybe it was you know that was as, as easy as checking some boxes, and maybe Barry Alvarez helped him, but at least he'll get credit for that because he was at the helm when that happened. Well, as it turns out, that deal was not finalized. That the, the massive TV deal is worth roughly a billion over, what, the next 10 years? Wasn't finalized. So now the new commission comes in. He didn't know that. Tony Petiti. And he is scrambling to clean up Kevin Warren's mess. Again, you guys got to read this story. I'll get, you, I'll get you the basics. I'll get a little bit into the weeds, but not too far. So, you know, Cliff Notes version. It's at least 70 million short of what was reported at least 70 million. So that's about, that's $5 million per school. So if it's, if it's that, and that's the best case scenario right now is so Ohio state will have $5 million less per year is how that would work. And what they expected. All right. It could be more than that. Here's a couple of reasons why. So <laughs> I don't know how Kevin Warren didn't know this, but so when he was negotiating the contract with NBC, Part of the contract with NBC is he gave them the 2026 Big Ten Championship game, right? Sweeten the pot a little bit, right? Good job. Good negotiating, you know? Give, give NBC one time the Big Ten Championship game, you know? Sweeten that pot, get some more money from NBC. Well, guess what? The Big Ten Conference does not own the rights to the Big Ten Championship game. The Big Ten Network does. You're like, wait, what? Same thing, right? Fox is the majority owner of the Big Ten Network. 5149, but still, Fox is the majority owner of the Big Ten Network. Big Ten Network owns the Big Ten Championship game, or at least the rights to it. That's why Fox has always had it since its inception. And Kevin Warren, the genius, decided to give it to NBC. Well, now Fox is, is extremely upset. This has been happening like for the last you know, month or so. This is just now getting reported because Pete Thamel did a great job unearthing all of this. So now Fox was like, either you're giving us the game back or you're giving us $40 million. 
So the Big Ten is now going to give $40 million back to Fox. $40 million. They're also going to give $20 million back to Fox to make up for the COVID year. And you can say, well, that, you know, that wasn't on the Big Ten. Yes, it was. The SEC played. That was another Kevin Warren error. They didn't need to shorten their season. They just did. The SEC played. The ACC played. So Kevin Warren, the gift that keeps on giving. So that's right there. That's $60 million at least they're going to have to give back. And then there's more because there's stuff with the NBC deal that's all messed up. And you have coaches that are pissed off because they weren't told about any of this stuff. Tom Izzo's mad because he wasn't told that some of the big games are going to be like on streaming only services. He doesn't like that. And he doesn't like not being told um, or not, you know, no one even like ran anything by the coaches. Ryan Day was quoted in the story. He's not... He, he at least wanted wishes they would have ran it by the coaches about having night games in November. You can They've always had night games in November the first weekend of November, but past that, as we all know, they have not. Well, now they will. Ohio State's going to have one. The, it'll be the – and I don't have a big problem with it. I mean, the NFL has night games in December. Why can't we have night games in November? It's really not that big of a deal. The point is, you know, there's the lack of communication. What we have here is a failure to communicate. But beyond that, I mean, and I can't get over some of this stuff. Okay, let me, let me, I already mentioned this, but I can't stress this enough. The contracts have not even been finalized yet. They have not even been signed yet. So all of this, this was reported like months ago that this was a done deal. Kevin Warren trots out there and said he's leaving the Big Ten in much better shape than what he inherited it. It's like, he made it seem like everything was finalized. And this new new commissioner, thank goodness this new commissioner has experience as a TV exec. He used to be one of the higher-ups at CBS Sports. Then he went and you know was a higher-up in Major League Baseball. Um, he's got a lot of experience in TV. So it sounds like he's going to you know, you know, clean up on aisle six. But this is a good guy to do. And it sounds like there's going to be some damage control. But still, the, the Big Ten teams are not going to be getting as much money as they thought. So, again, Ohio State's going to be getting at least – Five million less per year than what they thought. And we might say, oh, five million is nothing to Ohio State. But like that adds up. And they're already there. They had to take out a loan um, to build a recent facility. It's not like they're just swimming in it. So, because they have to pay for all these other sports. Um, yeah, the football program makes a lot of money, but the football program's paying for all these other sports, which I like the other sports. Like the men's tennis team almost won the national championship. That was really cool. Been cooler if they would have won, but they got runner up. They were the runner up. Uh, baseball team finished strong. Those teams, you know, they don't make any money. In fact, they lose money, but I'm still glad that they have them. So don't get me wrong. But like when people say, oh, five, five million per year, that's nothing for Ohio State. Yeah. But that was a, that was in the budget. They had already thought this is the amount of money we're going to have coming in for the next 10 years. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's $5 million less. And it might be more than that, according to the story from Pete Thamel. You guys got to read it. It's at least across the across the conference, $70 million less per year than expected. Not good. Not good at all. So, I, I just – Kevin Warren – there's even talk that Kevin Warren <laughs> – Part of his contract called for, um, you know, if certain things happen on the way out the door, you know, with the TV contract, uh, he would get a bonus. Like Jim Delaney, when he left, got a $20 million bonus, for example, you know, for everything he did with, you know, setting up Big Ten Network. And I would say Jim Delaney deserved that. You know, that, that, that was groundbreaking. And we might not have liked it at the time, but Big Ten Network's been a success. There's no way you can argue it hasn't. And he was kind of a pioneer in that respect. Look, look, look at all the, you know, 
networks that have fallen in the Big Ten Network's footsteps. We could say the Big Ten Network is leaving a lot on the table as far as some of their content, especially during the day. I still think they need like a Feinbaum-esque call-in show that's every day talking about Ohio or uh, Big Ten football or just Ohio State football. No, it'd have to be Big Ten football, but it'd be great. It'd be just like what the Feinbaum show is for the SEC. I don't know why Big Ten doesn't do that. But here's the thing. Kevin, the Big Ten has now hired a, a firm to – to um, research whether or not Kevin Warren deserves a, uh, a <laughs> oh gosh, I just lost the word I was looking for. Um, not settlement. You guys know what I mean. Payout. Um, because, but now they, because the, the contracts aren't finalized and a lot of the stuff that was reported is not true. Now they're wondering, you know, maybe he doesn't deserve a bonus, but instead of just saying, we're not paying you a bonus, they actually are hiring a firm to say, oh, are we going to give him the bonus? Like, how about just say, no, you you screwed up. Even the thing that we thought you didn't screw up, you screwed up. You're not getting a bonus. You're not getting a dime. Like, I, I don't know what they're doing. And the poor Chicago Bears, geez, not, at least he's their problem now. But I, I just was floored when I saw this. I mean, giving the – when you don't have the authority to give the Big Ten championship game to NBC, you give the Big Ten championship game to NBC, and Fox is pissed off about it, and rightfully so since they own the rights to it. And they're like, you're either giving it back to us or you're paying us $40 million. So, not good. Not good at all. All right. I think they'll still survive in the Big Ten, though. I think they're still going to have – they're still going to have, you know – overall, it's still a good deal. But it's just – it's amazing that all the stuff that was reported wasn't accurate um, because Kevin Warren sounds like he – I don't know if he lied, maybe misled – is uh maybe we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say he misled it wasn't quite a lie but i don't know man that's that was a eye-opening story well i appreciate you guys joining me here on the bucknuts morning five hope everyone has a great rest of your day 